Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hey, and welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the owner of a little law firm called the Seckler Law Firm that's headquartered in Cranberry Township, and we do this radio show every week, uh, and it is run here on Word FM, and it's also run uh, as a podcast on Apple iTunes or Spotify, wherever you want to get your podcast. We've now done couple hundred episodes and and the whole idea of this thing was in, in my law firm we do uh, a lot of education i uh, i'm of the opinion most people don't understand what them what they're getting themselves into when it comes to retirement planning long-term care planning uh, i see it with my own clients i see it with um prospective clients and and so what i want to do is make you aware of the issues that i think you should be planning for um yes we're an estate planning law firm but my vision of estate planning is not just planning for who uh, receives an inheritance when you pass away. I think it's really, really important that we also make sure that we plan to have a healthy and happy retirement. Um, and that, you know, if I don't have a healthy retirement, if I'm going to need some form of long-term care, that I'm well prepared uh, for that. And I continue to see, you know, the government continue to fail or seniors in, in lots of ways, but particularly when it gets to health care expenses and, and how we manage uh, how we're caring for our seniors. The, the simple fact of the matter is we could be doing better. Um, and I, I wanted to chat with you for a second about a uh, an article that was in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette this week um, written by a person named Chris Mamula. <clears throat> Chris, I apologize if I am uh, butchering your name here. Um, but Chris has an article in here about the independent health system, independence health system, which was an effort or is an effort uh, to uh, combine a, a number of smaller community hospitals around between Butler County, Westmoreland County, Armstrong County, uh, I believe, and um, to try to compete in our very interesting healthcare market that we have in this city. And we could go on and on about why it's uh, so competitive, you know, but this article points out that this independence health system is having some significant financial losses, right? And it says in here specifically that the Butler Health, uh, Butler Hospital, which has been around forever, is not intending to close. But it also says in here that the Butler Memorial Hospital has lost a lot of money in the last two years and trying to find its way, sort of, so to speak, back to profitability. Um, and the thing that I want to mention here is <clears throat> in the article the uh, the the author here makes a point of pointing out that the um, one of the challenges for this health system is that a lot of its patients are on Medicare benefits in that Medicare under reimburses the hospital as compared to private insurance companies so Medicare being the government agency that they are, they want to argue over, uh, argue with healthcare providers over reimbursement rates. 
Um, and they really get to direct what goes on in our healthcare industry because without Medicare, without the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, uh, none of the healthcare systems in this country would, would survive. So they have to listen to what Medicare has to say if they want to accept Medicare. So Medicare sets the rules. But to some extent, Medicare also sets the payment terms, which, you know, is a, is a little bit of a one-sided thing. Um, and if you consider the fact that Medicare, at least according to this article, Medicare's low reimbursement rates to the hospital systems is one of the reasons that these hospitals are having financial difficulties. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want my hospital going out of business. I don't live in Butler, but if I did live in Butler, I certainly wouldn't want the community hospital that's been in existence for 100 years to go out of business. Um, then what, I'm supposed to drive an, an hour to get to Pittsburgh if I, if I need to see a doctor? Like this to me doesn't make a ton of sense. And so I think that we could all probably agree that it makes sense to have um, – <clears throat> A hospital in these community settings and I think that we could also probably agree that it's probably not the best idea in the world that one organization owns every hospital that we could potentially access which is where this thing to me looks like it's going um, and so you know you, you look at this situation and you know here's the problem if, if the problem really is if part of the problem if a big part of the problem really is that Medicare isn't paying the hospitals enough well Let's think through this a second. Who's on Medicare? Well, Medicare's retirees, right? 65 and older. There's other ways to get on Medicare if you're disabled as a younger person. But by a wide margin, Medicare uh, enrollees, Medicare recipients, are seniors, at least over 65. I, I, you know, I know a lot of 67-year-olds don't think that they're seniors. But so if it's if it's the retirement age folks that are on Medicare and Medicare isn't paying the hospital enough and the hospital's having trouble because all their people are on Medicare, well then this is a hospital that's probably located in an older region. Um, you know, uh, Butler probably it has an older age population. I didn't go do the demographic research, but I think it's reasonable to infer that if most of their payments are coming from Medicare, it's probably an older population. And so now we've got the hospital that's having financial difficulty in a region for that health care needs to be provided for seniors who are all on Medicare who doesn't pay enough, right? Uh, and so what's the end game here? The end game here is who's going to get impacted. The person that's going to get impacted is the senior, you know, and these, these insurance companies, whether it's Medicare is a, really a government agency sort of acting as an insurance company or another insurance company, you know, my own wife needed uh, some medical procedure here uh, very recently, and she's doing fine. Um, thanks for being concerned. But um, And we needed to get insurance approval, and the insurance approval process, you know, we, we ended up having to go to uh, she had she had multiple doctors opining that she needed this procedure. She had multiple uh, providers of different um, sort of backgrounds, different trainings, saying she needed the procedure. She had two different surgeons saying she needed the uh, procedure, and the insurance company was still saying she doesn't need the procedure. Right now, ultimately, we were able to to advocate, and the, and I I want to thank the doc, the doctor that did her procedure for advocating on our behalf, but. You know, this is nonsense. This is craziness. What does the insurance company know that the two treating physicians don't know? You know, and, and so, but I, I digress. Getting back to Medicare. Well, so clearly if Medicare is trying to short every single payment that they make to the hospitals, the hospitals are now struggling, but here they are taking care of our seniors, not making enough money. And then you look at some of the regs that are coming out 
you know, ever since COVID, and, and probably even before 2020, it's been incredibly difficult to find healthcare workers. You know, the nurses and the people that work through in nursing homes prior and through the COVID lockdowns, God bless those angels. I'm not sure I would have made it. You know, you're in there every day wearing the mask and getting stressed out that you're going to die and, and watching this stuff happen around you. And then, you know, they made your job twice as hard and you're dealing with folks who aren't allowed to see their family. I mean, thank God that the healthcare people stuck with it. But <clears throat> now... You've got a tremendous shortage of nurses in this country. And then Medicare, who, again, gets to set the rules because they're the one paying the bills, puts these new laws on nursing homes that are, require um, more and more nursing staff to be working. Well, they're requiring more and more nursing staff to be working, but the care providers can't find enough nursing staff, and Medicare isn't reimbursing enough. You know, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for all of these healthcare agencies. A lot of them make a lot of money, but not all of them. And this is a pretty difficult uh, situation. Now, does the average consumer know any of this? No. I mean, and I want to give credit to the Post Gazette for for having some um, some very um, insightful articles recently, sort of covering some of these healthcare seniors uh, issues that seniors face. But here we've got an entire healthcare system that serves an entire significant portion of the population in western Pennsylvania having financial difficulties because Medicare won't pay enough. Simultaneously, Medicare is telling the hospitals and the, and the nursing homes that they need to hire more people whose wages have gone up because of the regulations that Medicare puts on in, in the first place. And it's like, well, how, how are they supposed to survive through this? And then here's the one big problem with Medicare. You know, Medicare is the biggest lie going because we're told we're told for 65 years, keep paying in the system, keep paying in the system, keep paying in the system, because when you turn 65, you're going to have health coverage. Well, what's that looking like, you know? But here's the one thing that, that Medicare does not cover. Medicare doesn't pay for the single biggest health care expense that seniors face. They, they just don't pay for long-term care. Uh, and, you know, and I, I complain about this all the time on my radio show. My dad listens to the radio show. My dad might be the only weekly listener to the radio show. So, Dad, thanks for listening. But my dad kind of was giving me a hard time the other day. He's, you need to start talking about some other stuff every once in a while. And, well, yeah, I probably do. But people still haven't heard the message, you know, and, and, um, and that is Medicare is not your only answer for health care in your retirement years. Medicare is a part of it. Medicare has to be a part of it. But Medicare is not the only answer because Medicare is in the acute care business. Medicare is not in the long-term care business. Um, and this is one of the things that we spend a lot of time with our clients educating them on and why we, we um, host a series of educational classes around Pittsburgh trying to teach people this stuff. Um, it's called our Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy Workshop. And um, so I teach people the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. Our clients understand this stuff because when you turn 65, if you haven't turned 65 yet, at about your 64th birthday, you're going to feel very, very, very popular right? because um, all the insurance agents and all the insurance companies want your business, and they know that you have to make a decision that to them is worth tens of thousands of dollars over the course of your lifetime if they get you as a customer. Um, and most people, once you pick an insurance plan, you're not changing. Maybe you're changing five to seven years later. Maybe you're changing once during the remainder of your life. 
But most people, once you pick a plan, they kind of stick with the same provider. And so they really, really, really want this business. And so when you turn 65, you have to select a Medicare plan. There's a lot of effort here. You could have a steak dinner every night of your 64th year on the planet because they're trying to get you to understand how um, how you can um, how you can purchase Medicare. There's a couple of different ways to do it, and and if you've gone through this process, you understand uh, it goes back and forth a number of different ways. You could do traditional Medicare. You could do an Advantage plan. That's not really what this show is about. But by the end of this. You pick a Medicare plan, and now you've got Medicare coverage. Um, all well and good, unless you need long-term care. See, if a person has a heart attack, now this is an overgeneralization, but if a person has a heart attack and they end up going to the hospital and maybe rehab, stay, and all the rest, all this is covered by Medicare. That's considered acute care, hospitalization, surgery, medication, rehabilitation. This is all considered acute care and therefore is covered by Medicare. But if instead what you end up having, like one in three of us will, is dementia, end up with dementia, now Medicare just simply doesn't pay for that, right? So so wait a second here. You're telling me that I'm going to pay into this system for 65 years. I work my butt off every week going to the office. And at the end of all these withholdings and all I pay into it, you're not going to pay for the single biggest health care expense I'm going to face? You know, three of my four grandparents had dementia. The other one died in his 50s. And I don't like my odds, you know. And and so um, if I'm going to have dementia, there was an article that came out this week, you know, speaking of stuff in the news, is you should eat strawberries. The, uh, the, the I, A couple years ago they were telling me almonds. Now they're telling me strawberries are the way to go to prevent dementia. You know, and I, I think the answer is you just need to eat healthy food and quit eating all the junk food, and, and that has to help somewhere. But they want you to eat a bunch of strawberries now. But get, getting back to this, okay, if I cannot <clears throat> um, if I can't prevent dementia and I can't prevent my eventual need for the nursing home, well, can I can I understand a little bit more about this healthcare system and how I can protect my house? Because I'm not really interested if I do get sick. I'm not really interested in my wife losing her home. And and so, yeah, you can do some planning for this, but this requires Medicaid, an understanding of Medicaid, not Medicare, because Medicare doesn't pay for the nursing home. Medicaid does pay for the nursing home. All right, but. Medicaid is a means-tested program. So, yes, I've been paying into the system my entire thing, but to become eligible for Medicaid, now i got to be broke, right? Um, and, you know, there's this, there's this I, to me, there's a very palpable war in the middle class going on here, right? Because if you got super, super wealthy people, I would love to be a super wealthy people. I'm working really hard. Maybe one day we'll get there, right? But super, super wealthy people aren't really worried about paying for long-term care. And then you've got a, a class of the population who doesn't have much at all, and I love them too, but they're not really worried about it because they're on Medicaid. And if you're on Medicaid because you don't have much money, then um, Medicaid pays for nursing homes. So if they end up in a nursing home, they get, a, they get it essentially covered by the state. But then you take the middle class, somebody who has a half a million dollars saved by the retirement years, 700000 400000 the number really doesn't matter, but somebody who worked hard, for decades to scrap together enough money that they think they have uh, enough for retirement, then they have a stroke or dementia. <clears throat> Nursing homes today's dollars are one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. 
you wait two years. Wait two years for what the average cost of a nursing home is because they just put down all these rules that all these nursing homes have to hire new nurses, but there's not enough nurses. I've studied enough econo- uh, economics to know that wages are going to go up then, right? So they're going to pay nurses more, um, which is just going to uh, result in the cost of the nursing home going up. Um, and so who's paying that? Well, you got to pay privately. If you're a middle-class person, <clears throat> you're going to be paying $150,000, $180,000 a year to be in a nursing home. Um, or what you could do is you could have a lower tier of care. You could go to a personal care home, but a lot of the personal care homes are even seven, eight, $9,000 a year, uh, a month. And that isn't even covered by Medicaid. That's all private pay. And so you know, I, I really feel like the, the thing that, that is just crushing people, and, and if you're, like, thinking about retirement, the thing that is the most scary from a financial standpoint, frankly, I don't think it's market risk for a lot of people. I don't think it's taxes. It, it's what happens if I get sick. If I get sick and I'm in a situation where we're going through a couple hundred grand a year in a nursing home, how do I know my wife is going to uh, going to make it? Um and this is <clears throat> why we teach our clients about asset protection. See, my view of estate planning, the way that we assist our clients, is that um, estate planning, when done properly, is not just about who gets my stuff when I pass away. Estate planning, when done properly, is also... How do I make sure there's still some stuff left? How, I, how do I make sure that I have a, a happy retirement from a financial standpoint? How do I make sure that the things that, uh, you know, the creditors and predators that would want to take my stuff from me, um, you know, taxes, long-term care expenses, Medicaid, uh, lawsuits, how do I protect my stuff from those issues? You know, it's like I'm, the, the, the whole idea is wealth transfer to the next generation. So if we're going to try to make a proverbial pass to the next generation, how do I make sure there isn't an interception along the way? Because there's plenty of people that want to pick off that pass. There's, there's, there's a whole line of entities and people that want to get that money. Some of it's by way of taxes. Some of it's by way of long-term care. Um, and so we like to work with our clients <clears throat> and do a lot of trust work. Even for middle-class families, I do a lot of irrevocable trust for our clients. We try to teach them how to protect their home and some money from this broken system. And believe me, this system is broken. Uh, you know, people are going broke. Medicare isn't paying enough for hospitalizations. They're not paying anything for the nursing home. So the only entity that pays for the nursing home is Medicaid. But Medicaid requires you to go broke first. And so flat out, people are going broke. And, and so how do, you, how do you get the care you need without going broke? And to me, that means probably tucking some assets into an asset protection trust that can protect them from long-term care expenses. Um, and we'll teach you how to do that and why to do that if you come to one of our upcoming Three Secrets to Protect Your Legacy workshops. It's not just about getting the stuff to the kids. It's making sure that there's some stuff left to give to the kids. Um, and those techniques, those are the things that we're going to teach you. And then what we do, the way that we do our office, you know, I, I've been accused. There, there's this thing in the in the world where attorneys will say, well, you're just trying to sell trust because you make more money on trust. Well, not in my office. You know, there, there is a fee to work with my law firm. But once you work with my law firm, you have whatever documents you want. You know, we, um, I'm not just selling documents. We, I want to be – I want to – shake your hand. I want to I want to have a relationship with you to make sure that as these laws change and as your desires change and as your goals change, 
we're here to help you with the legal documents and all the other things that we need to do. So in our law firm, the way that it works is we invite you to an education session. We invite you to retain our law firm if you would like to do legal services. You understand the fees up front. Um, and then we have an ongoing membership program that we call our Red Wagon Club. Now, I use a little red wagon to describe the concept of a trust. Um, some other people um, use buckets or coffee mugs or whatever, but we'll teach you about the trust and all the rest. And then with the Red Wagon Club, what we do is we do weekly education. We do weekly call-in hours. We have some fun events. We have an annual review workshop because I could write you the world's best estate plan. Uh, but if I see you at Lowe's in 18 months and ask you to explain your plan to me, most people have trouble doing it. And so getting together, even as a group once a year and talking about this stuff and reminding you how the documents work, how the plans work. Then we have a class for our, our clients' adult children, uh, who are typically the people named as executors and trustees, teaching them what that means. You, know, um, you can hand me Mike Tomlin's playbook. It doesn't make me a football coach. And so I'm not going to pretend that handing your kids some legal document is going to make them an executor or a trustee. We want to teach them, here's how this thing works. Here's how these documents work. Here's when you need to call the law firm. Here's, um, here's how we do it. And here's how we're going to help you in the future. Then we teach you a class on this long-term care system. What's the difference between independent living, personal care, skilled care? How are you going to get the care you need on your terms rather than going broke? We have an entire class that we offer our clients on digital planning. How do you how do you plan for the photos and videos in your phone? Because your kids want those too. It's not just the financially um, uh, valuable stuff. Um, and then we bring in guest speakers, things like Medicare and taxes and Roth conversions and different things that I just want people to have some information on. Because my goal is not just to sell you some estate planning document. My goal is to help you have a healthy and happy retirement. Most of our clients um, tend to want the same stuff. You know, I've been I've been searching for like a, a, a one-liner, a zinger, that I could say that I uh, <clears throat> to describe it. And it's it's not really that easy. But most of our clients kind of have this general sense of I have some stuff. Um, I worked hard for my stuff, and then this stuff could be a house, this stuff could be a retirement account, it could be money, it could be investments, it could just be the you know the the things in the house. But I've got some stuff, and I've got some people. Um, it could be your kids. If you don't have kids, it could be your niece or your nephew. Your people could be your church. Your people could be your favorite nonprofit. But I've got some stuff I worked really hard for. I've got some people that when I'm done with this stuff, if there's some leftovers, I want my leftovers to get to my people. Uh, and I want to do it in a way that is headache-free, stress-free, and reduce the risk that somebody's going to take it uh, from me or from my people. You know, I don't want that pass being intercepted. So how do we plan for the right retirement? How do we make sure that this thing works? Um, and then when there are leftovers, how do we get them to a way that we don't lose it? And, and that, to me, is the essence of estate planning. Now, when I'm talking about finances and stuff, I don't even manage a finance. You keep your financial advisor. I don't want to manage your money. But I want to work with your financial person to make sure that the, that the, the framework is correct, the trust, the beneficiary designations on your accounts. Everything is set up in a way that the plan actually works. And then, you know, we do these ancillary classes and things, and then we keep you updated because I don't view estate planning and retirement – I don't view it as a transaction. You know, in estate planning – in law school, when I went to law school – they um there's there's sort of these e ego driven professors there sometimes that'll say well do you want to be a litigator or do you want to be a transactional lawyer like trans when, when they say transactional lawyers it, it might be the same way that they might describe like 
uh, a porta john, right? Do you want to be a litigator? Or do you, you want to do transactional work, right? Um, and, you know, so estate planning is supposed to be transactional work. Well, a transaction is you give me money, I give you estate plan. And that to me isn't really what this should look like. I don't think it's a transaction. I think it's a relationship. Um, and, you know, so many people come to the office and they did an estate plan five, ten years ago with some attorney and, and the attorney, um, they can't remember the person's name and the person never called them back and never kept them updated and never gave them any education. And But the person just wrote some will or, or, or something. Um, and, man, I don't want my clients saying that about me. I don't want them forgetting my name. I don't want them – I don't want – there to go years and years without us talking um, because things change. Our, the law changes, your goals change, situation changes. And when those things occur, seems to me that what we ought to try to do <coughs> is, um, is have the plan change with your goals, right? And, and with the changes in the law and, and let's amend it as we see necessary and, you know, that's the whole purpose of our Red Wagon Club. Now, I talked about the Red Wagon Club a few weeks ago on the radio show, and we got a couple of phone calls. People wanted to join the Red Wagon Club. You know, can I just do the month-to-month thing? And the answer is no. you you got to do your state plan here first because how can I update a plan I didn't write? Um, and so, um, no, you cannot just join the Red Wagon Club. You need to come and, and work with the law firm first. But once you work with the law firm, we'd love to have you as a member of uh, of the ongoing Red Wagon Club. And we now have a couple hundred households around the city that are enjoying um, this program. They get together. We, we have some fun events. We do Pirates games. We do uh, we do some other stuff. And, and uh, you know, when people come in and find out about it, they're kind of blown away that, that a law firm is doing that. Uh, but the reality is I just I, I want to uh, I want to have an ongoing relationship with my clients. I don't want to treat you like a transaction. I want to make sure the plan works. It matters to me that your estate plan works. It needs to work today and it needs to work tomorrow. And that re- means that we've got to uh, we've got to do uh, keep in touch and, and do the necessary updates as time goes on. So I hope you learned something about how this can go. I hope you learned something about Medicare and Medicaid. I hope I got you off the couch to pick up the phone and actually do some planning. But remember, this is for your education and for your information. Um, this is not legal advice. We'd love to give you some legal advice, but you need to reach out to the law firm at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. I thank you for listening. Uh, we'll check you out here at the same time next week. Thanks a lot. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.